Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are at Commodity Classic, which is taking place in San Antonio, Texas. So you're going to hear a lot of market talk behind me and around me as farm broadcasters are sitting talking markets as things finished out for the day. Jim McCormick joins us now. He's with agmarket.net. Let's talk a little bit about the black swan. I think, oops, sorry, I just kicked him. Didn't mean to do that. Let's talk about the black swan because that has been the topic here at Commodity Classic from producers, from exhibitors, heck, from, from us as we sit up here. And it's really has kind of fed upon itself to affect other parts of the markets. Yeah, I mean, pretty simple. The black swan we're talking about is obviously the coronavirus. The black swan is an event that's something that just kind of comes out of nowhere. And this really has built on itself. This virus has been around, Susan, for a few months now. But it really expanded this week. And what I think really kind of shook the market is when it ended up in Europe. We were able to block the flights out of China. But now that it's in Europe and Italy, the fear factor is it's going to get here to the United States. And as they said, I think the CDC said, it's not if, it's when. And that is just called a mass risk off market move in the equity markets that's blood into the grain markets the energy markets the livestock markets you know it you name it excuse me people are getting out they just they're not certain what to do so the safest place to do is go to cash is what's going on at the moment is it a knee-jerk reaction at this point I think it's a little bit of panic. It's a little bit of knee-jerk reaction is probably a good way to put it because it is an unknown, something that we've never seen before. Um, it will calm down. I mean, I think, you know, as a, traditionally the viruses will die down as they go into springtime, and you're going to find value. The stock market was way overbought, plain and simple. It had a phenomenal run. It's correcting. The black swan event essentially pricked that bubble a little bit. The cattle market's getting pounded down because, you know, as the echoes went down, they're worried about the demand for beef. But you're going to find value in the long run. I think in the big, big picture, this could actually be a little bit friendly commodities. Because what's going to happen is the, not just the United States, but Germany, the rest of the world, they're going to do everything they can to jumpstart these economies. And how do they do that? They're going to try to lower interest rates and push money in the system. And what does that drive? Inflation in the long run. So you're one of the first people that I've heard say that there's going to be something good to come out of all of this if we can just get through over this bump right now. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, in the long run, you know, the market's going to go extremes. And when I say in the long run, I mean, I'm not going to stress it. It may not be tomorrow day. It could be six months or longer, potentially. We've got to get this to play out. But in the long run, you're going to get things overbought. You're going to under oversold, and you're going to find value. And like I said, the way the world's going to react, I'm 99% positive, is they're going to push money into the system. As that money gets pushed into the system, it's going to find places to go. And what's it going to be? in commodities historically, and that tends to bring commodities back up. So in the big picture, you have to be a little bit optimistic. Let's look at this corn market in the sense that um, producer price, and you and I were talking about this before we started the final bell today. Um, first notice day is tomorrow. There's a lot of decision-making that's going to have to take place before today ends. Yeah, what's going on right now, and part of the pressure we saw today in the grain markets is farmers who've got grain in the commercial system, either be a basis contract, an HTA, deferred pricing, free DP pricing, they have to make the decision if they're going to either price that grain or move it out to the deferred contracts like the May or July. And that was, I think that was putting some pressure in the market today as farmers just kind of gave up because a big problem we have now is a lot of cash rents are due. March 1's coming around the corner. They need to generate income. Balance sheets are tight. There's just no doubt about it. They're tighter this year than they were last year. And a lot of customers are saying, look, the best way to do it is just move cash grain, get that check, and then you know start that land rent and start the process over for 2020. But there's that fear because they're watching what's happening globally. And do I, do I make that sale? Do I hold on to it? 
what do I do next? Well, the one thing I think you got to remember is that's what the futures market is for. I mean, and we have a lot of, that's what a lot of customers say. Look, you don't have to hold on to that cash market. You can let it go. There's options to reown it with. You can vote futures. Your risk is the same. And actually, your risk is a little bit less. The one problem we're seeing for the producers right now is the quality of this crop, unfortunately, is very, very poor. And the grain is just not storing very well. And you do not want to be that producer that opens up that bin and has that corn going to trash and it's supposed to be worthless. So it's better to move that grain and reown it on the board with options, a little bit less quality risk, actually. You talk about that quality risk that's out there, and, and talking with some North Dakota uh, producers down here at Commodity Classic, they said they're harvesting these fields finally, but they're dumping the grain at the end of the row. Livestock producers are coming to pick it up to feed because it's just not what is needed to sell. Yes, it's a lot of number three, number four corn, plain and simple. The, the ethanol industry after we're talking says they don't want it. They're literally telling the guys, we don't want it. It's going to the livestock industry. Unfortunately, there's not that much livestock in the in the Dakotas, and that's also hurting because that grain has been tradition goes west, south P P and W, and it's not there. That is going to be a huge problem. And as in going to springtime, was what are producers up there going to do? But that quality problem is also going to be potentially be bullish in the long run. What I mean by that is there's a lot of light test weight corn out there, and what we're finding is they're feeding more corn to gain that that weight so it's a very good shot the usda is understating the feed and residual number and we'll see that number increase which will draw down the ending stocks which potentially could be bullish in the long run and again it goes right back to what we started in this conversation about the the interconnectivity that we're seeing globally affecting these producers in, in the individual states well that's it i mean you look at it we've kind of pulled that thread demand from china Essentially, the beans have kind of hurt the bean market. The China fear moved to Europe. That has the world worried about people traveling, people going on vacation. That's hurting the beef market. We're all interconnected anymore. So, uh, you know, that when producers out there, you can't just look at what's going on in your state or even your U.S. You've got to look at the world markets, plain and simple. Well, looking at that, Jim, what are you hearing when it comes to the harvest uh, and what's been taking place in South America? Right now, it looks like it's a pretty good harvest. They're moving along pretty well. I think 40%, 50% harvested roughly. The yields look overall well in Brazil. Now, Argentina's a little bit dry. That could be a little bit of a ember that could give us a little bit of bullish excitement down the line. We'll have to see. If they keep missing the rains in the next week or two, that could get interesting. Argentina's also playing a little bit, adjusting their tax rates. And that's kind of maybe moving some meal demand back to the United States, potentially. That's good. The other thing we are looking at in the interconnectivity is the dollar. The dollar has pulled back recently, but the higher dollar versus record low Brazilian real, that's that's a negative for us. So everything is kind of inter interconnected. Um, the Brazilian harvest will wrap up, and hopefully that will bring some demand back to the U.S. as the Chinese come in and try to fulfill this phase one deal. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We have more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell from Commodity Classic on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network from Commodity Classic taking place in San Antonio, Texas. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jim McCormick continues to join us at agmarket.net. I always say this to my commodity guys. I wish people could hear our conversation that we have during the commercial break because it kind of gets you rethinking the process. And you and I got talking, first of all, about the with Brazil and everybody and that increase in the tariff and it wasn't just beans like we heard yesterday, it's corn and wheat as well. And then you said the statement, well, China can't buy from them all the time. And that led into the conversation of phase one. So again, from what we had in the first half, that interconnectivity is right back into our discussion once again. Yeah, I mean, the phase one deal is a huge, huge deal. Um, you know, to put it in perspective, though, Susan, China is expected to import about 88 million metric tons of beans a year. That's their import target, which would be phenomenal. Um, 
when you break that down, that's roughly about 12 million bushels a week. They can't get all that from Brazil. They can't get all that from Argentina. They're going to have to buy it the U.S. The caveat of phase one deal was, is it economically feasible? And what I mean by that is if they... They committed to buy U.S. goods, but the, we had to be the low-price producer right now. Right now, Brazil is a low-price seller. Now, will they buy a few beans? I wouldn't be surprised if they bought beans today. That's what maybe popped the beans because they want to make a good faith, good faith mm-hmm. effort on phase one being implemented as we flip into March. But eventually, they're going to have to buy some products to us. And in the long run, that's what it is. Now, what I like to tell people is they were going to buy these beans from somebody. We're hopefully, this phase of one is going to bring demand back to the United States in the long run. Can they hit the $40 billion target? I don't know. But the fact is, when you go to next to nothing, if you even hit twenty five thirty, it will be good for the American producer. So what's happening to all these cargos that are sitting on the shores in China, in, North, or in South Korea, and in, in Hong Kong? And they're not being moved. Yeah, that, that's the biggest problem we have right now is the rough estimate I've heard is China's back to 40 to 60% capacity, depending on who you want to talk to about it. But the big thing is a lot of these cargo ships have are sitting on the ports not being able to unload. The meat's a big problem. They're actually running out of electricity to plug into these chill boxes. So here's the folk, problem, folks. they got to unload those chill boxes. Then they got to get them back to the United States before they can reship them back over again. And that's where we just kind of have kind of ground everything to a halt. And it's going to take time. But eventually, this could be very bullish, potentially in the long run, in the fact that some of that meat's going bad. So they're going to have to make it up. The other thing is these people are not doing bringing meat from other parts of the Chinese government country so what's the chinese government doing they're essentially dumping their grain out their excuse me their meat out of their reserves after what the chinese just went through i gotta believe the chinese government rule you know number one is going to try to be is restock those freezers and refrigerators we've got a lot of cheap pork we've got a lot of cheap beef beef tends to be bottom as i put it it tends to break hard and then come roaring right back up is when the stock market stabilizes, I fully expect that cattle market to rally back up. And I would expect the hog market too, because like I said, I think the Chinese, I don't think this is, you know, it's something, it's a catastrophe, but they're going to try to maybe make a little bit of lemonade out of this lemons and try to get this grain bought cheap. And, you know, that'll be good for them to meet that phase one deal as well as feed their people. Well, Jimmy, is there a fear that's kind of being fed into this livestock market at this point? Oh, it's all fear right now. I mean, the biggest problem you have right now is. Who eats steak primarily? I mean, a lot of people, when they go out to steak, they're on vacation. And we're getting to spring break. You know, the question you got a lot of people are, you know, do you go to spring break? You're going to go on that cruise. Are you going to cancel it? And that's what the meat industry is very, very fearful of, is people are going to just quit spending money and going out. And then that piles back up again. Now, I think eventually that'll relieve itself. And then people who kind of stay away from big crowds, they'll go back out and you'll see that demand. But right now, it's just the fear of the unknown has got a lot of people moving to the sidelines. Do we have an oversupply of hogs in cold storage? Right now, we do. The cold storage report showed the hog market growing. The big problem was in the hog industry is we've really ramped up production with a lot of aspect of China buying some of these hogs. And the fact of the matter is we've overproduced for what the demand, current demand is. We need to get that a little bit in balance. In the long run, I think it will come in balance, but it's going to take time. This coronavirus just you know, extenuated the problem even harder because now you've got a potentially oversupply of beef because people just are a little bit leery going out to eat. Um, we were talking, you know, during the break that, you know, there was reports of uh, stewardess from uh, Korean Airlines that had tested positive from the virus and she had been flying back from South Korea. 
to LAX. And, you know, if anybody's been in an airport, you know, you notice you see stewardesses all around getting coffee between flights. And, you know, that's the risk the world faces right now. You can, it was kind of easy to shut the Chinese market out. It's very hard to shut Europe out and Asia out. And uh, we got to get through this. My fear is it's going to get worse before it gets better. But when you get through this fear, we get into the springtime, we will come out of it. And I think I think there is going to be some optimism in the long run. But uh, it's going to be fraught and a little bit volatile in the near couple of days or weeks, potentially. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? They can reach me at 815-665-0461 or go to agmarket.net, our webpage. And thanks again for joining us, Jim McCormick. He's with agmarket.net. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. But just a reminder, commodity futures and options of all substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. You can pick this entire discussion up as a podcast through our website at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe for your free podcast. And that's the Thursday Fontenelle Final Bell from Commodity Classic on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.